0: Let's pray. Father, as your children by adoption, you have invited us to come boldly before you and to make our request known. You have assured us that we are welcome through the blood of your Son and that you delight to receive us and hear us. We acknowledge that you are the giver of all good gifts and that even in our immediate struggles and trials, that your fatherly love is at work in us to accomplish our good. Lord, we often look in the wrong places and pursue the wrong objects and find ourselves disappointed and empty. With the psalmist, we pray, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field. So he flourishes, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to such as keep His covenant and to those who remember His commandments to do them. Help us now, O Father, as we open up Your everlasting and living Word to see with eyes of faith and to walk with You all the days of our lives. May we build on Christ alone and rest in Him. May we see the unseen and work accordingly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Hear now the word of the living God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And thus far the reading of God's Word and all God's people said. Amen. Last Lord's Day, I preached on the tragedy of abortion, and for those who have been aborted, there is no redemption. They have been discarded without hope, and so their tragedy ended as a tragedy. But today I want to speak to you about other apparent tragedies that are turned into comedies, that is, that end up having happy endings, Please consider sickness, death, poverty, drug and alcohol abuse, child abuse, unwed or unwanted pregnancies, prostitution, war, abandonment, all very ugly realities of a fallen world. These are manifestations of the worst, of the human condition. And little children are caught up in all of these, and they suffer greatly as a result. And so the question is, can they be helped? Can they be rescued? Can they be redeemed? James tells us in chapter 1, verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself, oneself unspotted from the world. Founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger's grandson, his name is Alexander, and he continues her viewpoint, updated with contemporary notions of sociobiology in virulent opposition to the viability of an adoption culture And he does so on Darwinist grounds. He argues this, adoption is counterintuitive from an evolutionary vantage point of both the biological mother and the adoptive parents. Adoption requires a person to devote time and resources to raising a child that is not genetically related. Adoption puts the future of a child in the control of a stranger. And he goes on with many other things, applying his Darwinian point of view, that adoption is really something that we we should just abandon as a notion. It's just, this world is tough, and survival of the fittest. It's easier for a woman to have an abortion, he argues, or for a family to refuse to think about adopting, because evolution and biology, he says, conspire to thwart adoption. Evolution has programmed women to be nurturers of the children they bear. And that's why the abortion industry, uh, this air, contends adoption, quote, as the solution to the abortion problem is a cruel hoax. There's a lot more to be said about this crowd, but I'm not going to take the time to do it today. But when you start with wrong ideas and wrong notions about what human beings are and who we are and why we're here, you end up with this load of stuff. Now, some of you have been adopted. Some of you have adopted. And many of us have family members who either are adopted or have done the adopting You have personally lived and experienced the benefits and the pleasures of having entered into this glorious work, this redemptive work. A few years back, I visited a CREC church up in Virginia, not much larger than ours, a bit larger. And I was delighted to find that among the families of that church were 30 adopted children, of various races and situations from other countries in the world. Some were sibling groups. I think the family I was the most impressed with was a young family that had a two-year-old. They adopted triplets, infants, and one was Down syndrome. They were mixed race, and uh, they brought the children home when they were uh, just a few months old, and within less than six months, she found out she was pregnant with twins, Thankfully, his parents moved in with them. They got a larger house together, and so uh, together they were raising these children. About 10 years ago, I met uh, Bishop Martin in the airport in Shreveport, a black minister. He had on a collar, as I did, and I walked over to just introduce myself to him as we were waiting to board the plane. and. Um, He turned out he was from the small town of Possum Trot, Texas, just outside of Center, down the road, not even on the map. Um, And uh, it turned out, as I was asking him about himself and his ministry, he said, well, we uh, just that month, Southern Living magazine had done a story on him and his ministry of adoption. And um, so... Possum Trot has a population of only 300, no paved roads or streetlights. It is home to a tight-knit community that did their, did what they could do, did really what the entire county couldn't do. Uh, They have collectively, it's Bennett Chapel Baptist Church, they have collectively adopted 76 troubled children, Uh, and from the state foster care system that no one else wanted. Many of these families already had children, and these were not well-to-do families. But through unconditional love and their deep faith in God, uh, the Lord transferred these hurting kids and blessed these new families. Years later, every child has blossomed. Each family has an incredible story of God's provision. Bishop Martin's wife, Donna, said this, It is not about us. It is about getting these children who are out there into loving homes and letting people know that they have what it takes to raise them. We're no different from anyone else. You can do it. It can be done. Now, many of you know, for example, uh, just, just to mention a few, that we could go on and on again. I think everybody knows people or has is touched by this. You know that, for example, the Douglas family in Granbury, Texas, adopted three Ethiopian siblings and are still in the process of trying to adopt their older sibling. In July of 2011, Kyla and Karis were adopted by the Alders family, and at that time I preached a sermon on adoption, and I want to build on that message today. Most of you know that Andrew and Rachel are in the process of seeking to adopt Adoption is another way to be fruitful and multiply. It is also a means of evangelism, of redemption, and of sacrifice. It's important to hear some things more than once in hopes that it will sink in, that it will bear fruit. Perhaps you should pray about whether you should adopt or help someone else adopt, or in some other way get involved in this critical work. Now you're scaring me, Pastor Booth. Around the world, there are as many as 16 million orphans. Together, Christians can make a difference in the lives of children in need. In fact, we are called by God to do so. Caring for orphans is mandated by God throughout the Bible because it is part of God's plan of redemption for His people to show others what He looks like by their willingness to help those who are in need and who is needier. In ancient times when Rome ruled the world, infanticide was rampant, with sick and disabled and orphaned infants literally cast aside left under bridges, roadsides. The first Christians believed in the sanctity of life and demonstrated this by taking in many of these unwanted children and caring for them, even Roman children. And the Romans took note of this, and little by little that began to change society. More and more people became Christians. They saw that love. They saw Christ. Christians today can change the world by putting their faith into action and showing the world that every human being is loved and wanted. And until we care about orphans around the world as much as God does, enough to perhaps surrender our plans in exchange for His call to care for the unwanted and the unloved, then we are going to miss an opportunity to play a hugely significant role in God's big picture. His plans for drawing the unreached to himself. Life, we've talked about this a number of times, is in many places, the key things in our lives are not accidents, but actually pictures of the true thing in heaven and ultimately the new heavens and the new earth. So, for example, husbands and wives, marriages are metaphors for the ultimate marriage of Christ and his church, not the other way around. Earthly fathers represent the heavenly father. The tabernacle and temple were models on earth, just models, ships in a bottle, if you will, for the real tabernacle or temple in heaven. Our adoptions of orphans point to the adoption of every child of God in Christ. Now, if that's the case, then how much more should we be familiar with and focused on this particular subject? The New Testament uses the word adoption six times. In each instance, adoption is the term by which Jesus Christ has Reconciled human beings to God, brought them together. It's through adoption that God becomes our Abba. The, the Greek word there, which would be our closest translation, would be Daddy. According, uh, uh, so according to Romans, that is what he does. Adoption is synonymous with his love. Galatians 4. says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And then there is this description in Ephesians 1, chapter chapter 1, verses 3-6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, And so the doctrine of election, the choosing of you, the adopting of you, is a picture of the redemptive grace of God. Adoption means that God loves us and he brings us into his family in order to make us his heirs. But what about actual physical adoption of one human being to another? What does God say about this? Well, the the scriptures reveal that God is concerned about the way orphans are treated. He commands us, as we've seen, to care for widows and orphans. He also demonstrates the importance of adoptive relationships by placing key adopted characters in the Bible. God is the God of the fatherless, and adoptive relationships are obviously, therefore, special in God's eyes. He sent his own son to earth to have an adoptive father, Joseph. I like the way Russell Moore, in his book, Adopted for Life, which I highly recommend, points out that Joseph was called to model becoming the father to the fatherless as he became the adopting father of Jesus. Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, but he was, he was the real father of Jesus. In both Matthew and Luke, Scripture gives us the genealogy of Joseph for very good reason. The, co- the covenant is stronger than blood. This adoption meant that Jesus belongs, as J. J. Gresham Machen put it, and we'll quote him here, He belonged to the house of David just as truly as if he were, in a physical sense, the son of Joseph. He was a gift of God to the Davidic house, not less truly, but on the contrary, in a more wonderful way than if he had been descended from David by ordinary generation. I have spoken before about the fact that both of my grandmothers were adopted in their day. There was considerable shame attached to this. It was kept a secret. It was even kept a secret from them. And when they finally learned of it, they felt embarrassed and devastated and hurt. That's too bad. Recently, I ran into an older woman in our community that knew my grandmother And she, having been good friends with my grandmother's brother and his wife here in Nacogdoches, referred to my grandmother as his half-sister. And when I corrected her and said that my grandmother was adopted, she said, oh yes, I know. And yet, the reality is, the adoption of both my grandmothers by Christian families is critical to my standing here before you today as your pastor. It's critical to the course change of my entire family. For many, many generations, and I assure you, I've seen my family tree, it was all for the better. Adoption, dramatically change their lives, change my parents' lives, my life, my children's lives, my grandchildren's lives, and I believe that ripple effect will continue. It will continue throughout eternity. Heaven is going to be more populated, not just by one adopted child, but by many descendants of that child of God who themselves were adopted God turned tragedy into comedy. Adoption trumps biology because the covenant is the central thing. We were in the old family, Adams. We are now in the new family, the new Adams. We we all have an interest in this subject because we are all adopted. If it weren't for adoption, we would all be helpless orphans. Adoption, very much like baptism, is a public event, not simply a private matter. It's not just a Kodak moment. Something legally happens, like in a marriage. There's a form. And then there's something mystical happens, like in a marriage. The legal aspect of adoption is important because it addresses our standing. It declares to the world who we are. But this enables us also then to feel our position, to feel secure, to know that we are protected, and to anticipate our inheritance. If adoption stops with a legal act, then it has stopped prematurely. The mystery is that with the legal act, the entering into the covenant becomes a new and a living relationship. Blaise Pascal said, the heart has its reasons that the reason knows nothing of. Adoption should be a life-changing, or might we say a person-changing event, a defining moment. Adoption changes who we are because it formally establishes our relationship with God and with other people as He adopts us. And that's true of all adoptions. With a new name comes a new world. It changes who we are. It changes what we are. This occurs in an instant. But it also takes time for the implications of that to be worked out. What a happy day when adoptive parents get the word. The adoption is final. It can't be undone. Now we can relax. Now we can move forward. It occurs in an instant like marriage. I was a husband. Instantly. It took a while to figure out what that felt like. I was a father when my son was born. I was a father. Instantly. It took a while to figure out what that felt like. True children are led by the Father's Spirit. Names identify distinguishing characteristics that set us apart from those who don't fall into those categories. When I say that, I'm Randy. I'm also saying that I am not Lee or Andrew or Gary or anybody else. This is what all definition does. It is this and it's not that. And so much of our identity is wrapped up in our relationships. Who are you in relation to others? I am so-and-so's father, or mother, or child, or brother, or sister, or aunt, or uncle. Our corporate identity is found in those covenant relationships. What, what church are you a member of? This is an objective reality. This is who you are, like it or not. Being a member of your household means that you, as an individual, bear certain distinguishing marks. You might Look like someone, or often we'll say he gets that from his father or his mother, and that's not always a compliment, but sometimes it is. There are rules at your house. There are goals. There are expectations. Bearing a name also means bearing the responsibilities and the duties that go with that name, and in adoption, we get a new name. If you're doing your job as a father, then you are indoctrinating your children to distinguish them, to define who they are. And so, Booths, whether if they were born into our family or had they been adopted into our family, the same would be true. Booths believe in Jesus Christ and the authority of God's Word. Booths go to church and tithe. Booths don't hit. Booths don't swear. Deuteronomy 6, as much as possible, all the time, everywhere. Last week, I mentioned that Moses' family rescued him from Pharaoh's infanticide by placing him in a basket made of reeds left to float in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter adopted Moses as her son and raised him in the palace. And as an adult, God called Moses to lead the nation of Israel out of the captivity from Egypt toward the Promised Land, all because of Moses' adoptive relationship, and it put him in a position of influence. The prophet Samuel was taken as a small boy by his mother and given to the high priest Eli to raise. Esther, the queen who saved the Jews was adopted by her cousin Mordecai after her parents died. The biblical message seems clear that God has not only deemed adoption acceptable, but also that He often uses adoption in great ways to preserve and to advance His kingdom. God is still using adoptees today. Some adopted children from other nations where their lives were not valued will return to their birth countries to help change the laws and change the culture for Christ. Some adopted children may go on to adopt other children. Many are bringing their adoptive families a better understanding of God's great love for them. And some will even lead family members to Christ. The implications are enormous. And so we need to understand the theology of adoption. God draws us into his family by way of adoption. That's the only way for us to get there. Your electing love, if you adopt, imitates his electing love. This is what happens when you choose to bring a child home who was not born into your family. You make the decision to love that child unconditionally, unconditionally. You experience how God calls each of us to become a part of His family. In fact, the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 3, verse 7, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God loves us enough to make us His heirs. His children. Adoption provides an earthly picture of that heavenly kind of love. I'm not just going to take you off the streets and put you in a workhouse. I'm going to take you off the streets and put you in the palace. Everything's yours. You're a child of the king. The biblical doctrine of adoption is the rescue of the hopeless and the helpless into the refuge of a Christian family and a godly inheritance. John Owen called adoption our fountain privilege. J.I. Packer said, our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. We all have an interest in the subject because we're all adopted, and if it wasn't for adoption, we'd all be helpless orphans. The Westminster Confession of Faith summarizes the theological doctrine of adoption this way. All those who are justified, God grants as a favor in and for His only Son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have His name put upon them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by Him uh, as by a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation to the orphaned is to feel fear and uncertainty about the future. It's a form of bondage. There's no security. I don't know where my next meal's coming from. I don't know where I'm going next, or doing next. But God, our Father, desires that we should be delivered from all doubt, not the spirit of bondage, but rather the spirit of adoption. That's the opposite. Galatians 4, 6, and 7, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Adoption provides a self-conscious awareness of the fact that we have been incorporated, that is, made a part of a family. Really. We are not simply regarded as children. We actually are children. We are sons. We are daughters. So adoption is the picture of grace. We receive the spirit of adoption as a gift. Abba was the word used by children in talking to their fathers. Again, like the word daddy or papa. It is the child's word. A servant wouldn't ever use that term. In Mark fourteen thirty six, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. This is the cry that he uttered in his greatest distress. This is the cry that also comes out of anyone who realizes that he has been adopted as a child of God. And notice that it is indeed a cry, expressing deep emotion. He is not a distant father. He is near. This is the parent-child relationship. Now again, we have all been adopted if we are in Christ. Adoption is an extraordinary status, a meaningful change of relationship, affected by God or the parent's free decision. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And there may be some here who have heard me say this before. I'll just remind you in the Bible, whether you're a man or a woman, the Bible refers to us individually as sons. And um, he refers to us corporately as her, as the bride. So, uh, So when scriptures speak of sons, it's including daughters. But children is another way we might say it. As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in His name, who are born not of blood, not of the will of of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God the Father is portrayed in Scripture as the specific agent in the transaction of adoption. He found us. He chose us. He rescued us. He redeemed us. He loved us. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. All of you adopted people, which includes all of you, should only have one response to those who adopted you. Whether it's the heavenly father or an earthly father and mother, thank you. Thank you. The grace of adoption is a continuing benefit, reflecting the unceasing love of the Father to the objects of His redemptive choice. This is operative through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In the believer, who, those led by the Spirit are the sons of God, as we, as we read this morning. They have received the Spirit of adoption as sons, and this Spirit bears witness internally that they are children of God with this assured inheritance. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This privilege of adoption is not simply some future hope. For John says that a demonstration of God's amazing love is that we are called, right now, sons of God. In the very next verse, he confirms the saying, declaring, Beloved, now we are the children of God. The first blessing of the gospel mentioned by John, the very first blessing is that of adoption. It is by the bestowment of a right that we become children of God, just as in common civil adoptions known to the ancient world, as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe on his name and this family relationship is acquired not by natural means but by the adopting father's own will it is not a right uh, it is not a right inherent inherent in man but something that is given to him by god it's a gift adoption is powerful it requires great sacrifice Because it requires great love. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now that is the spirit of adoption. But like all great sacrifice, all great love, there is the promise of great reward. Jesus said regarding the care of the needy, "Inasmuch as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so I return to something I said at the beginning of this sermon. Perhaps you should pray about whether you should adopt or help someone else adopt or in some other way get involved in this critical work of redeeming children. Kathleen Silber, author of Children of Open Adoption, said this. Adoption is a wonderful way of becoming a family. If being a biological parent is any better or more rewarding than being an adoptive parent, I really don't think I could stand it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you pitied us and rescued us by your amazing grace. Thank you for adopting us and making us your children, giving us your name and blessing us with all the privileges of the children of God. You have enabled us to boldly come to your throne of grace and to receive help in the time of need. Moreover, you have granted us the incorruptible inheritance of eternal life through Jesus Christ. We are grateful. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 8:17 again says, If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Adopted children are entitled to the same benefits as natural children. They are children. Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. But because we're adopted by God the Father, we also receive all the benefits. We too are heirs. We too have an incorruptible inheritance. Galatians 4, 4-7, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those, we might say, to enable their adoption. Jesus is a sort of adoption agency, a mediator that enables our adoption, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and because you are our sons god has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying abba father therefore you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir of god through christ what well, is a lot there because we are adopted as god's children we have a promised inheritance as heirs with christ which includes our glorification with him our perfection so our father is raising us to bring us to be in the likeness of our older brother our the firstborn Jesus hence adoption is an eschatological hope a future hope causing us to groan within ourselves eagerly awaiting the adoption as sons the redemption of our body which will be the final installment the resurrection and so with perseverance we wait eagerly for that Blessed are the people, O Lord, that can rejoice in You. They shall walk in the light of Your face. Their delight shall be daily in Your name, and in Your righteousness shall they boast. Our mouths shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh give thanks unto His holy name forever and ever. Let us praise and magnify the name of the Lord together. We will give thanks to You, O Lord, secretly among the saints and in the congregation. We will sing unto the Lord as long as we live. We will praise our God as long as we have being. It is a joyful and pleasant thing to be thankful. The soul that blesses shall be made fat. When we have eaten and are full, then we shall bless the Lord our God for the good things which he has given us. We bless you, for you have blessed us. We humbly pray that enjoying your gifts and contentment, we may be enabled by your grace to use them to your praise. We are eternally grateful for our adoption into your family. Help us to be faithful children to show forth your grace. Bless now our feasting, our fellowship, and rest. And now, Lord, we ask you to continue your mercies toward us, that all the world may know that you are our Savior and mighty Deliverer, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen.